ever wonder where God is in government, or if God is there at all? My name is Pastor David Burkadal. My wife, Reverend Sally Welch, is co-producing this podcast. Sally is a United Church of Christ slash Christian Church Disciples of Christ ordained minister focusing on ecumenical and interfaith ministry. I served Lutheran Christian congregations in Compton, California and in San Dimas, California for over 40 years. Today, maintaining our yard is my gym, and I'm active as a volunteer in the leadership of the 110 Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregations in our area. Check out our first Living Water Radio podcast, number zero, Welcome and Introduction, for more information about us and this podcast. It's been a crazy week on the political scene, particularly national politics. And it looks like it's going to get crazier as we move into the litigation phase. It kind of reminds me of another election when victory came down to Florida and the hanging chads on their punch card voting system. A man was injured in a traffic accident, and when the paramedics came, they first sought to assess his mental awareness. What's your name? He knew it. What day is it today? He knew it. Who is the president? Um... The race for the presidency is still too close to call, and the lack of closure after a bitter political season is prolonging our national anxiety about the future. Oh, we're also in a global pandemic that may now be worsening. We are setting records for new cases. We're at a point in the pandemic where some say that politics is to blame. So I thought I might share a few thoughts on one of the most important Christian doctrines for our times. The Two Kingdoms Doctrine is mostly associated with Martin Luther, but the basis for this view is not Luther, but the Bible. So I agree that when rightly understood, and I'll get to that in a minute, the two kingdom doctrine can form the basis for an ecumenical or Christian church as a whole approach to politics. I was doing some reading on this a couple of weeks ago, and I came across an article by Anders Nygren, a Swedish theologian and bishop in the early 20th century. It was published in the Journal of Lutheran Ethics in 2002, but it seemed like it was written today. It's connected to the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America somehow, but I thought it does a pretty good job of standing on its own. You can find it at www.elca.org. The Two Kingdoms Doctrine has been controversial and sometimes charged with being responsible for such things as leading to Christian indifference to the world's problems, the rise of Hitler, and secularization. I think that these criticisms have come mainly from those who have understood a two-sentence description of the Two Kingdom Doctrine and figured out that that was all there was to know about it. I'm going to give you the 20-sentence description, and while I will certainly not be complete in my description of it, I will get you a little closer to something important. Professor Nygren writes that the whole point of his, Luther's, doctrine of the two kingdoms was, in fact, to prevent the powers of this world from encroaching on the realm of conscience. One of Martin Luther's contributions to world civilization was the idea that a rightly formed conscience is more authoritative for personal conduct than either the Pope or the Emperor. My conscience is captive to the word of God, he said. How can that freedom be protected? Luther's doctrine of the two kingdoms states that all people, children of Adam and Eve, fall into two groups, those who belong to the kingdom of God and those who belong to the kingdom of the world, and that God works for the benefit of both. 
Paul contrasts the work of the old original Adam and the law with that of Christ, the new Adam, and grace in Romans chapter 5, beginning at the 18th verse. Therefore, just as one man's trespass led to condemnation for all, so one man's act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all. For just as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. But law came in with the result that the trespass multiplied. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that just as sin exercised dominion in death, so grace might also exercise dominion through justification, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. All people who believe in Christ and live under him belong to the kingdom of God. But God has established another kingdom, one with authority in this world. This kingdom exists because evil exists. This kingdom of this world, made up of such things as the government, law enforcement, the armed forces, and so on, exists to maintain peace and order. In Paul's letter to the Romans, the 13th chapter, beginning at the first verse, he writes, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those authorities that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Do you wish to have no fear of the authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive its approval. For it is God's servant for your good. But if you do what is wrong, you should be afraid, for the authority does not bear the sword in vain. It is the servant of God to execute wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be subject, not only because of wrath, but also because of conscience. For the same reason you also pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants, busy with this very thing. Pay to all what is due them. Taxes to whom taxes are due, revenue to whom revenue is due, respect to whom respect is due, honor to whom honor is due. If that was all there was to know, we could be more inclined to say that Paul and Luther could be charged with promoting Christian indifference to the world's needs, the rise of Hitler, and the absolute separation of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world, with no belief that anything from outside it could influence politics. But there is way more to know about the Two Kingdoms doctrine. Let's begin at the beginning. The world is not the way it's supposed to be. Sin entered the world, disobedience bringing separation from God and separation from God bringing evil. And therefore, the kingdom of this world exists to restrain and moderate its effects. The most important thing to know about these two kingdoms is that God rules in them both. Both are equally sacred because God rules in both kingdoms. We meet God in the spiritual kingdom with the gospel and in the kingdom of this world with the law. But, Professor Nigren said, God's will is made manifest to us in both law and gospel. These two kingdoms exist side by side, both instituted directly by God for two different reasons. The earthly world is ruled with power and the sword. The spiritual world is ruled with the gospel of Jesus Christ and forgiveness of sin. One cannot rule the other. 
Maybe kingdom isn't a useful term. We had a revolution to get rid of rule by a king, after all. Nigrin also uses the word authority, which I think works as well. God works in the two authorities. The spiritual authority of God is not to claim worldly power, which would weaken the power of the gospel. The authority of this world should not seek to rule the world with the gospel, which would lead to anarchy. Nigrin, in summarizing the relationship of the spiritual authority of God and the authority of God in this world, says, It is not the business of the spiritual ministry to bear the sword, but it must demonstrate the Christian way of bearing it. This in no way suggests that Christians should not be involved, not criticize, not support any aspect of the kingdom of this world. The world, not the church, misrepresents this doctrine to say that politics should not be ruled by anything outside itself. The church says that it not only should, but it must. The church is not or should not be critical of the policies of the earthly kingdom as just another voting bloc seeking power but as the kingdom of God calling the world to be faithful to God's justice, that is, God's will, and the fruit of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, and self-control, for fostering the abundant life that is God's will for all people, to stand against tyranny, reminding the earthly kingdoms that they too stand under God's law. It's like the old answer to my country right or wrong when that phrase was used to justify injustice. My country right or wrong when right to be kept right when wrong to be put right. Nigrin wrote, any use of power for its own sake is serving the devil. Power is a deadly temptation to selfishness and vainglory, and for that reason Luther utters the warning, he who would be a Christian ruler must put away the thought that he would rule and be mighty. For the mark of judgment is upon all life whose end is self-advancement, and upon all works which are not done in love. And these are done in love when their end is not the desire or advantage or honor or comfort of the doer, but the honor and advantage of and good of others. Martin Luther writes, To rebuke the authorities is certainly not a revolutionary act when it is done at the divine command, and in accordance with the law of God, openly, fearlessly, and honestly. It would, in fact, be much more dangerous to the public wheel if a preacher were not to rebuke authority for its injustices. Luther wrote, A Christian is a perfectly free lord of all, subject to none. A Christian is a perfectly dutiful servant of all, subject to all. We live not to be assimilated or conformed into the world, but as servants of God, whether we, wherever we serve, whether in the spiritual authority of God or in the authority of God in this world. In Paul's letter to the Romans, the 12th chapter, beginning at the first verse, he writes, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We serve under two authorities, the spiritual authority of God and the spiritual authority of God in this world. We serve God, our ultimate authority, who rules both. We serve God by God's grace, 
under two authorities. Today, let's remember to pray for those who are financially struggling, for the most vulnerable among us, and for those who feel insecurities of any kind. And let's remember to pray the Lord's Prayer today, the one that Jesus taught us. If you don't know what that is, contact us at the Revs David and Sally at gmail.com or send us a tweet to at David Burkadal and we'll send it to you. Send your prayer requests to the same addresses and we'll include them next time. Send your comments there as well. As always, we encourage you to stay hydrated. Open your heart to receive the living water from the source, God's self, the living presence of the one true living God, the God who gave himself on the cross so that all who believe and are baptized might be restored to the living relationship with God for which we were created. Remember your church. Identify one if you don't already have one. Ask a friend about it or a family member. Google it. Contact the pastor. When you have a church, go to or tune in to the worship services they have currently available and support the church financially so that it will be there when we come back to fully physically present worship together. Support your pastor and church leaders. Pray for them and help them in any way that you can. If you or a loved one are having thoughts of suicide or are struggling with mental health issues, call somebody. Google a local or national hotline. Reach out. You are not alone. Wear a mask when you're outside your home, practice social distancing, wash or sanitize your hands regularly. Stay home unless you are providing essential services or need them. Avoid crowds and be outside if you have to be in a crowd. Be kind to everyone you come into contact with, especially those who are sacrificing their security to provide for yours. Thank you for listening to Living Water Radio. We are here for Christians and for the people of the Los Angeles metropolitan area who are looking for a sense of Christian community, a source of hope, and a way to thrive together during this global pandemic. We hope you'll tune in next time and invite your friends to do the same. Meanwhile, Sally and I encourage you to open your hearts to receive living water, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and stay hydrated.